let's be honest, if we're telling a sad story for laughs, we're skipping over some of the sadness that came yeah. later, right? That's true. Yeah. And that's the whole point of it, because the sadness that comes later, that's easy enough. It's laughing about it that's really the skill that you want to learn. Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. This week, we're reviving the Sad Stories Told for Laughs series with Don Chaffer. I first knew Don Chaffer as the husband half of the husband-wife duo Waterdeep. His wife, Lori, is the wife half. Don has also made a name for himself in the field of musical theater as a composer, lyricist, and librettist. His musicals include The Sparkly Clean Funeral Singers, Son of a Gun, and The Unusual Tale of Mary and Joseph's Baby. In the last few years, he's also been a professor in Lipscomb University's School of Music. Don Chaffer has always struck me as a storyteller who knows what to do with sadness and also what to do with humor. He is, in short, an ideal guest for Sad Stories Told for Laughs. Don Chaffer, thank you for being on the Habit Podcast. Mm-hmm. When thank I started the, uh, the Sad Stories Told for Laughs series... Yep. The kind of the first, really the first person I thought I wanted to have on this series was Don Chaffer. Really? Yeah. Well, I could be greatly disappointing then. Well, it's, it, it, it seems, actually you mentioned to me, of course, the, the point of Sad Stories Told for Laughs is people discussing their professional embarrassments. Yes. And what that has worked in them, mm-hmm. either creatively or in their soul or whatever. And you mentioned a little while ago, and when it was too late for me to cancel this whole thing. Right. That, that, <laughs> right. that, that early in right. your, relatively early in your life, you sort of burned out your embarrassment receptors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, so for example, I had like a best friends in grade school that hung out with all the time and their parents were regrouting their bathtub and they thought, well, we'll take the shower curtain down this way. No one will use the shower, which doesn't <laughs> occur to me that that's a problem. So yeah. I proceeded to take a shower and not only ruin whatever was going on with the grouting, but shoot water across the entire bathroom. Which, again, this is, I'm going to have like maybe 20 to 30 anecdotes that are exactly that funny and that long. I hope that's, is that the format? Um, So anyway. I'll see what I can do with it. Yeah, and I've been mocked relentlessly by, you know, my best friend's dad for that. But um, How old were you at the time, by the way? That's, you know, grade school, third, fourth, fifth grade, something like that. Right. That was also when we took a field trip to the cemetery and I had to go to the bathroom real bad. Mrs. Vichy was our teacher and I said, Mrs. Vichy, I have to go to the bathroom, but we're, you know, there's no, you're in a graveyard. Yeah. We're doing, you know, the rubbings. Grave, I was, was going to ask you why you're doing a field trip to a Yeah, it's cemetery. an interesting choice, uh, <laughs> particularly when you really have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And so there's no bathroom available. And I asked her, and she says, well, we're going to be done here in just a minute. Okay, uh, okay, you know. Yeah. So finally, I go back a second time. Mrs. Vichy, I really, really need to go to the bathroom. And then finally a third time, I say, Mrs. Vichy, I re- never mind. <laughs> and they had to drop me off at home. And then my mom would have this woman come clean our house once a week. That happened to be the time. She what are you doing here? Nothing. You know, run upstairs. And I also was a chronic bedwetter till the sixth grade, so I have a trail of ruined couches behind me <laughs> as well. So there's, there was kind of a lot of this sort of stuff. And then when I get to high school, that's when I decide to push the limits of fashion. And um, so I wore my dad's flight suit and like a purple bandana <laughs> and these split-toed Japanese tabi, I think they're okay. called, the you know shoes. And then um, 
chemistry safety goggles that I personally decorated. <laughs> that was one of my outfits. Okay. I, I, other how, ones. How many times did you wear that outfit to school? Oh, I mean, you know, per semester, maybe four or five times. Really? Yeah. I mean, I had like a pink pants and a seersucker jacket and a red bow tie was another yeah. outfit that was kind of like a, yeah, sounds a like swell, you're... a dandy. <laughs> and then uh, I also made my own t-shirts like Love One Another, which I uh, made one that said Love One Another with... with but I used a palette knife and red ink, and it looked more like a Manson murder sort of a <laughs> thing instead of like a biblical. So the point being, at one point, my mom confronts me. And she says, so I've been thinking about why you do this, and I think it's that you don't want to be rejected by people. So you figure if I just, you know, make it so that I know why you've rejected me, then I don't ever have to feel rejected. So this is where we're telling sad stories told for sadness. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So your mother was right about this? I think so. I mean, I denied it at the time vociferously. But. Yeah. So, so by the time, the point is, by the time okay. I get on the stage, yep. I'm, I'm ready to make fun of myself at any point. Uh, so for example, when we had, and this wouldn't have been a big, great story anyway, uh, again, I, but I'm just going to keep them rolling, right? They're just <laughs> small, moderately entertaining bits. That's going to be my thing. <laughs> I don't know if that's what you had in mind, but um, so I, I, we had this, you know, end of the first chorus of this new song. It, instead of ringing out for four counts, because we're in 4-4, four, four, I decided to ring it for five, because it needed just a little extra. And then little the very first night, after four counts, I come in, you know, bold as can be, and the rest of the band comes in a quarter note later. But as a, in that moment, I thought, whoops, and yelled out, woohoo! <laughs> right over, over top of my own bad entry. So we made a career of more or less making fun of ourselves. So I was never beyond stopping the band and going, whoops, we totally screwed that up. Let's try it again. And, yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is there, do you, do you draw any, any connection between, as you, this idea that your embarrassment receptors were gone? <laughs> right. Um, which, by the way, you, you're, you're, the evidence that you trotted out for your high school career, it was, it was very convincing. Right? Thanks. Yeah. I also, by the way, I had a uh, yellow 1978 Honda Express 2 moped that I bungeed a milk crate on the back. I carried a Samsonite briefcase that I bought in Tijuana that was, uh, was where I also bought a machete that my dad said had been uh, leather cured by human urine. I don't know if that's true, but it certainly smelled dodgy. At any rate, um, I, so I had the, the suitcase... The yo-yo, <laughs> the moped, and then I had a one of those like the cheapest possible dot brand red moped helmet with the smoke tinted shield. Where they, I, I don't know if they even make these anymore, but it was kind of the effect was that the whole thing was just a globe of <laughs> anonymity. And then uh, I stuck sucker darts on the top, so it was sort of Marvin the Martian. At yeah. the, I, actually, I don't know if he had antenna, but it looked spacey. So somehow you got from. Forgive me, but this this is you sound a little obnoxious. Oh a, yeah, 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 very. As a high school yeah person for sure, um, I certainly would have given you a swirly. Yeah, if yeah. we'd gone to the same high school. Yeah, and Appreciate but, it. but somehow that forgive me sounds Translated not especially into, mature. Self right. expression has developed into something a, a little more. Mature, and I mean, I, I enjoy the work you do now. Oh, I see what you're saying. What I'm saying yeah. is, as, as, yeah. 
I, I, if, if I'd known you in high school, I would have written you off completely. Yeah. Uh, and that's, no, about, I that's that. saying as much about me as, sure, as, as about yeah. you, right? Sure. And then thankfully, Let's I, talk about thankfully I didn't know anything about you or your work until you had outgrown this. Yeah. Uh, are you asking how does it, a, kid, a dad obnoxious a kid get to be, have any a sort of emotional like depth? You. A superstar like you. A superstar. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. I, this, this, is, this is interesting to me. I mean, this, that was a, again, forgive me, but it sounds a little sophomoric. It was literally sophomore year literally. that this yeah. peaked, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not that that's right. Yeah. And uh, what's the question? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought maybe this would you know, yeah, shake some yeah, loose yeah. for you yeah, now. I think, I think it's, um, I mean, I will say that at the same time that I was, preoccupied with this sort of chicanery 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 okay at the same time that i was preoccupied with this chicanery uh i was also um yeah pretty uh morbidly uh, preoccupied with existential dread. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was a, it was a, you know. How's the existential dread going now? Well, it's been a rough couple of years here lately. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it has been sure. with the pandemic, but pretty well. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I've realized about existential dread is that there's existential dread and then there's brain chemistry. And so sometimes you can say, oh, I'm, uh, maybe this isn't really significant. This is just an emotion. Yeah. And I don't have to unravel the fabric of reality in order to contend with this because I might just be tired or, mm-hmm. you know, especially in my, the heyday of like working in the studio and stuff like that. And I'm put in 60, 70 hour weeks and I'd be exhausted yeah. at the end of the week. And my wife would remind me of this and say, maybe we don't have to make a career change or... <laughs> adopt a child this weekend uh yeah i didn't really talk about adopting children on the weekend as much as career changing on the weekend yeah right right right. yeah um so i'm not here to make light of adoption i guess is what i'm saying (laughs) anyway is um one thing we talked about before we started recording is the idea you mentioned that there's a, a distinction between embarrassment and shame yeah yeah, my embarrassment receptors may be blown, but my shame receptors are always working. Um, I mean, so Enneagram-wise, the personality test thing, I'm a, a four in the Enneagram, which is one of the shame-based personalities. And so I, uh, and it, I, I would say that it was like, I'm not sure I realized how shame-oriented I was until later in life. And it was like, oh, that, it's like the fish with water thing. So yeah, right. that's, Oh, uh, uh, that thing. That, that's doesn't everybody feel that? You thought all that the time? was just reality, yeah, yeah. and it turns out it was. Yeah. yeah, I remember hearing somebody talk about that before, <clears throat> being like preoccupied with a sense of irredeemable deficiency, and I was like, that that's <laughs> base. That's ground zero. That's yeah. you know Tuesday for me. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I think of that as a different thing. The idea of feeling some sense of. Uh, it's also not usually told for laughs very well. Uh, yeah, right. I know. Yeah. We're, we're, I'm, I'm trying to. Yeah. You're trying to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, but, I'm, but I'm also interested yeah. in what, you, what yeah, you're sure. saying here. I mean... Remember that time Don did a podcast about funny stories and none of them were funny? Um, yeah. So 
I, I mean, I think that... Uh, to, to what extent does shame drive your... D does it drive your creative work? I mean, is, is it... I mean, there have been times in my life where it's like, what got me up in writing, it's this, and this didn't, you know, it, frankly, it, yeah, I burned out on it pretty quickly, but what got me out of bed was... I'm so ashamed of lying in bed and not being productive that I got to get up and, and I mean it, it was a it, it was shame that that made me and then I reached point where it was like this doesn't work anymore and, and you know this idea that I'm I'm not going to get up and and be productive until the pain of being unproductive outweighs the pain of right yeah you know, like I had to get past that but I I know that there there was plenty of shame in my yeah yeah, yeah. own ability to you know that well and i guess there's there's shame as a motivator which is what that is and i, I definitely have had that like sort of uh, there's even sometimes i have to admit that I, I even use that there's almost a sense of like let yourself feel that a little bit until until it, it does motivate you and i, I don't know that that's uh, maybe it's not you know path a but it's yeah, right. it does result oftentimes in breaking the inertia mm -hmm. but then there's that's shame sort of as motivator but then there's there's sort of shame as uh state of being so for example like um the the one of the other four things is this idea of envy which i couldn't relate to i didn't feel very envious of many people until i realized somebody was describing envy in, in this particular personality as um, believing that other people had something in their lives that you didn't have in yours. And I was like, well, yeah, but that's just true. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like that, that feeling of, and so there's, a, there's also an Orthodox prayer I ran into one time that talked about how um, the, uh, it was a prayer of confession, forgive me for when I've been wounded by the beauty of another. Mm. And I thought, oh man, that I definitely can relate to that. Yeah. So it's not that I wish I had the beauty. It's that their beauty made me sad yeah. because I didn't have it. There's a, there's a Catholic catechism that, def, that you know, defines envy as a form of sadness. Mm. And I think that's a really helpful way of thinking about, yeah. about envy. Now, I will say, I mean, sad stories told for what? Laughs. I mean, I have a lot of that. We, I've had a lot. My sister and I in particular, <laughs> we've had a number of, like, in our lives, our dad was complicated character and yeah. laughing at stuff even to this day i've been working on a memoir and, yeah. and interacting with her a lot and i mean the number of times that we'll have something that's literally in tears followed by incredible laughter that's a common mm -hmm. occurrence i bet you'd want to know an example of it but um i would and i'm gonna get back with you on it i promise <laughs> by the end of the podcast um you mentioned four things a minute ago you said did you say something about four things four. that you said one of the four things is envy? Oh, I shame, envy of a four. Oh, oh, oh yeah, gotcha. Of a four, yeah, enneagram yeah. four. Yeah, enneagram yeah, four. Yeah. yeah. Um, so envy, not not yeah. a part of your. Well, I don't. I don't experience that as like I wish I had that guy's car, right? Like I, yeah. um, which, but but more like when I see sometimes when I see someone succeed, it will make me feel sad huh. that I haven't succeeded in a similar way. Yeah. And sometimes incomprehensibly. I don't want to succeed in that way, right? Right. And a lot yeah. of times even, it doesn't make me sad about not having that kind of success. It makes me sad about not having my own kind. Yeah. Right? So I think that's a, 
that's a thing. Have you ever seen that uh, that um, Pacific Life insurance commercial where there's this handsome silver-haired couple standing mm-hmm. on a boat, and then a, mm-hmm. a a whale breaches? Okay. And I don't think of myself as being an envious person, except that commercial <laughs> just <laughs> killed me. I was like, I can't take my wife to go see a whale, right? Because I didn't obviously was not financially responsible like those I people. See. I didn't know that was what the prerequisite that, was for the whale breaching. So the idea is if you had put your money into retirement with us, you'd be in good shape right now. But yeah, here you are on your couch, you loser. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I mean, it, 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 yeah. that for whatever reason, that. Yeah, I get that. That whale is my, it's like Captain Ahab. I, I was smirking through that the whole time because I was thinking about Liberty Mutual. <laughs> and they have a lot of goofy. I kept thinking we were heading oh, somewhere the, goofy. Oh, and the, so the, I misread that. So I'm feeling pretty embarrassed about that right now. Can I tell the story for last? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I definitely. I, yeah, I feel that like the the feeling of. Uh, you know, this is that's why we can't have nice things. Sort of, you know, I, I have curry on my shirt right now. Yeah. Well, thankfully, the moray is so overwhelming. Right. Nobody can see. Yeah. It. The, I wore plaid, as Pete pointed out to me. I wore plaid to a shoot. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So have you come up with any examples of you and your sister? Uh, no, but I mean, at? I will say this. I did. The, so as far as, I, I mean, I have a couple other maybe. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I've got a couple. So one, an actual onstage thing. I was doing, there was this cartoon that I read about the angriest dog in the world. Uh, <laughs> and I decided I should write a song about it, which this is plenty embarrassing to begin with. And, um, and, but it's a comedy song. Yeah. This is the angriest dog in the world. I can sing it, and there's no. It's I'll license it for free to the <laughs> podcast. Um, Thank you. And uh, so we did it, and then I took a big guitar solo. We and I played it at this coffee shop, and at the middle of the guitar solo, I dropped to my knees, right, and I'm just, you know, mostly just bending one note over and over, kind of Neil Youngish, and there, people are really laughing, and I mean hard. And I'm thinking, this is really going great. I mean, this angriest dog thing and the guitar solo, this is, I'm really hitting here. And then I got up and there was a giant split in the crotch of my pants. And that, that was both embarrassment and shame roiling over me. It's almost a warm bath. If you really, if you think about shame, shame or embarrassment, and you kind of separate the agony at an emotional level, physically... It's perfectly delightful. Uh, but that was pretty embarrassing. I felt, I felt pretty bad about that. And then um, the other, this is the opposite end of the example in terms of the, the embarrassment receptors. My wife is not this way. She's certainly capable of being embarrassed and has had Maybe to put up. Maybe should have had her on the podcast. Well, that's true. <laughs> and, uh, and she could tell plenty of embarrassing stories about me, right. about having well, to be stand next her. to yeah, me. Yeah. Right, yeah. Not least of which is that we've done a couple different Kickstarter campaigns where we did videos that are mm-hmm. sort of based on these intentionally comedic conceits, right? So yeah. in the first one, I hold a press conference for three people that show up, and I kind of go off the rails, right? And so we do a montage <laughs> yeah, of me. One, yeah. yeah. And so um, 
she was just recently mentioning this because she's working with an artist she's been producing lately. And she said, I suddenly rewatched that. And I thought, I'm trying to convince this woman that she should do a record with me. And this is what's out there, you know. <laughs> and I watched it again and just thought I was the funniest thing in the world. I watched it with my daughter. I thought, this is hilarious. And in fact, then when we did the second Kickstarter campaign, we did the conceit that I was uh, getting into hip hop dancing suddenly okay, yeah. at a late age. Yeah. And so I filmed myself dancing in the bathroom, uh, doing mostly, as I say, hip hop. But it, yeah. I kind of emerge into more expressionistic dancing <laughs> later. At yeah, it's funny. I was thinking about contributing to that Kickstarter, then I saw the video yeah. and chose not to. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So it was embarrassing. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I, I watched that one, and I got kind. Of, I rewatched that as well. I also thought it was great. My daughter <laughs> thought it was great. I think I'm hilarious. And then. I did get a contact from my eighth grade ex-girlfriend. Okay. And she said, uh, very funny, you know, and I hadn't talked to her in ages. She said, I did get a question from one of my coworkers. Why are you, why are you watching a video of a man grabbing his crotch right now? <laughs> and, thought, and then she had to answer, it's, this is what I find funny. She would have to answer, it's my ex-boyfriend from eighth grade. I find that See that? It's, I'm too busy finding humor in that to consider how I have been used as a tool in the process. I think one thing that's funny about that story is you twice refer to this as being ex-boyfriend and ex-girlfriend. Like we, we kind of take it for granted. I just that wanted, you're eighth grade. I just wanted to be real clear. I mean, you know, Facebook that could get dangerous. That's that's true. Yeah, it is really putting the nail in the coffin on that one. It's over. Good. Uh, no. Anyway, I, but I just think it's. Uh, I will say, I remember watching Will Ferrell at one point, and you're going to have Dave Barnes on, or you already have, I don't know where About we are in the release schedule. Uh, um, I was told that this is not going to be edited, but I'm, just, I'm still giving my edit. You might want to cut this part out. Um, uh, I've also heard that that's a joke that's been used a lot, so cut the joke out. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> Dave Barnes. Oh, somehow Dave comedy. Barnes. Comedy. Yeah. Will Ferrell. I just remember watching Will Ferrell do the cowbell sketch, yeah. and his shirt would kind of ride up on him, which is, by the way, because I felt I had a similar physique to Will Ferrell. I think I still do. I think we're tall, lanky, forward head carriage, a little bit extra yeah. prosperity, as my dad referred to it, around the midsection. And he wore a shirt that's a little too short when right. he's playing the cowbell. And it's definitely one of the funniest parts. And I thought, the thing about comedy is you just have to embrace those. Like, anything goes, debasing yourself for the laugh. And there was a switch in my head, even later in life, about that, so that when those Kickstarter videos came up, I was ready to just... You're ready to go. Ready to let it all rip. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, should have taken. I, I should have prepared more questions. Yeah, I have, I have other notes. Let me just make sure. I do have a really good story about a friend getting real embarrassed. Yeah, I just cut this part out. <laughs> nope, that's it. Really? I don't know. I mean, there's a <laughs> there's I, this is pretty much it. Uh, I'm still trying to think of what, like what the. The thing here's the thing about the stuff with the stories with my sister and yeah. my and is that uh, Norm Macdonald used to say that he thinks the best jokes are the ones 
where the setup and the punchline are pretty much the same. So, for example, one of his weekend update was that, you know, Julia Roberts and Lyle Lovett got divorced recently, and apparently the trouble started when she realized she was Julia Roberts and he was Lyle Lovett. <laughs> um, and so that's the setup is yeah. Julia Roberts and Lyle Lovett punchline. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like that's true in family tragedies where somehow there, are, there can be a moment where the very thing that is heartbreaking just becomes mm. funny. You just repeat it. Isn't that ridiculous? And then it's like, yeah, and then you can start laughing about it. But that's not going to translate very well either <laughs> for this podcast. I'm starting to realize, the more I think about it, how woefully unprepared I am for this. <laughs> Which I want you to know, it's not that I didn't spend time thinking about it. I actually spent a fair bit of time, talked to my wife, almost called my sister, forgot to. And then, um, <laughs> and then I kind of thought, well, if I embarrass myself, won't that just be good? Yeah. Well, you have no reason to be embarrassed here, Don. This okay. is, this well, is, we're all friends here. We're playing it for laughs. Yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> but but I, I, do, I do want to hear a little more about where the, um, uh, all of this, this we, we, the, the, exis, you know, the existential dread, the shame, mm-hmm. the <laughs> embarrassment. See? That's not funny, but it is funny. It is kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, right? when, yeah. When you, yeah, yeah the existential dread, <laughs> the shame, the embarrassment. Like how how, it, how those things shape your the way you think about your work as a person who who writes songs, writes musicals, now teaches. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, I, I, you, this is your first semester teaching. I, I yeah. should think there would be some that might be a rich vein for. Well, and I'll tell you what I like. Uh, I've yet to teach them without masks, and so mm. all this incredible comedy I'm rolling out for you. <laughs> It's fallen on deaf ears for the the uh, currency of the references, which I have a problem with, and also because I can't tell when they're smirking, which wow. I'm not looking for guffaws, you know, yeah. but a little a smirk goes a long way to keep yeah. you rolling. Yeah, right. That's when you that's when you can really start stacking your punchlines. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not getting that, so I'm having to resort to just telling them about how Sid Vicious probably stabbed his girlfriend to death. Not even funny. No. But it's part of the history of popular music, sure. which I taught last semester. Yeah. I figured it was appropriate at a Christian university to cover that <laughs> side of things because you want to get out from under the shelter at some point. That's right. Um, and I, I've said it's your first semester teaching. Not true. It's your first semester teaching full-time. full-time. Right. Yeah, yeah. I've been adjunct in before this. Yeah. Which is a word for teaching part-time. <laughs> um, teaching part-time for really, really bad pay. I think you just said teaching part-time. <laughs> I'm not I positive. I don't think you so. guys can rewind that. <laughs> Maybe cut it out. Um, anyway, existential dread. Yes. Shame, embarrassment. Yep. How do they affect my work? Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, yes. Um, well, okay. So, uh, I mean, uh, without having to convert this into humor, right? Right. That's, the uh, I think. I mean, one of the things, so I, I ended up going into music theater about 10 years ago. I've mm-hmm. written several musicals now. And um, one of the things I've recognized is, like, when I have a low point for a character, like mm-hmm. the kind of despairing, nihilistic moment, man, those songs just flow out of me wow. with no problem. I, yeah. can, I can imagine the let's just burn it all down, what's the point moments very easily. Um, 
And so my work, I think, over the course of my life has been a lot of wrestling with that and trying to find redemptive moments in the muck. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, which is hard, yeah. hard to do sometimes. I mean, hard to do, and on the other hand, is utterly written into the code of the universe, right? So right. it's always there. The redemption's always around somewhere. Yeah. Um, even if you have to grope for it. But uh-huh. I, I think that that's been... That's been a piece, and I think I also just assumed for a long time that other people felt the way we did. And as it turns out, some people did, but not everybody, which is why we weren't maybe a household name. Because <laughs> it's, you know, but we had fans that were, in, like, real uh, devoted. Yeah. And, and it's good. Yeah. I'm good well, with it. I mean, it's, it, you... You speak of, I mean, you use the term existential dread, uh, which, I, you know, I, I get the idea of feeling that, but it's also, uh, you, you have a view, a worldview, whereby that's not the ultimate. No. Right? Something that you right. experience, but, it's right. not the same, but that's not the same thing as saying, this is the ultimate. Right. You know, the, the big truth about it. I had a friend, though, that told me one time we were talking about doubts, you know, mm-hmm. or, or just re... Maybe, I don't know if he was... Even, there was some, somewhat about doubts with regard to faith, but also just deconstruction or reconstruction of faith. And there was a moment after I kind of went on a long run, and he goes, oh, I just figured it out. What you like to do is set up all the things you don't think and then mow them all down at once. He goes, <laughs> so I just have to wait oh, yeah. till you're done setting up all these negatives and then hear what your positive will be and then I can comment, because if I comment too early, I'll end up with an argument, in an argument with you about something you don't actually believe. So I, I do think that that's true. That's a, a truism about the way that I tend to process through things. Yeah. It's like sort of look at the worst of it first, and then, and then kind of like, have we told the truth about what we're up against? And then uh-huh. what's, the, what's the answer to it? Sounds like Dostoevsky. I mean, he's, he, he, was, yeah. he was so good at articulating the position he didn't agree with. Yeah, I compare myself frequently to... Right, it's those weird. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how that picks up in the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> and there's some built-in ironic distance in this, right? If, if, as, a, as a Christian person who, mm-hmm. who um, can, you know, wade around in the... Muck? In the muck. Uh-huh. Um, but also believes that this muck isn't all there is, there's, yeah. there is some distance built in there. Yeah, it's interesting. How do you mean? I mean, I, I, I get distance and I get ironic. I, I mean, I, I think I get ironic. You know, I know Alanis didn't quite nail it. That's, yeah, right. But well, she nailed it for the kind of irony. I mean, she was talking about verbal or, you know, situated, whatever kind of irony she right. was talking about. I mean, and, but I just mean that this idea that you think about it in a, in a in a novel, for instance, where you know something, you know that the, you see oh, the characters, right. and, and you're sitting okay. in a different position, and you know things they don't know. Yeah, and, that's interesting. I have not thought of myself looking at myself that way, but I that is, if that's what you mean, like I have a sense sometimes that I can sort of, and I think that's where the laughter comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Is you see, uh, well, this looks pretty bleak. Yeah, <laughs> and then, but you have enough of a disconnect to say but it won't always seem quite so bleak at some point you know everything which is hidden will be revealed Mm -hmm. all the sad things will become untrue and i'm I'm mingling in some scripture and some tolkien here yeah Uh, and so therefore 
you know, uh, what's that's the there's that Paul bit about you know suffering counted as glory. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Counted as all counted as all joy. Yeah, or, when you're counted as the weight of the that weight one. of that's, glory. Yeah, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I do think I, there is. I mean, it's funny to refer, in a way, to refer to that as ironic distance because it's, it's like uh, the dramatic irony of mm-hmm. I know something about me that I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So, but, but I it's true, isn't it? I mean, I, yeah, I, totally. Yeah, I do think that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, I, I that. When I when I think of the songs you write and the and the musical theater that you do, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. The, the, this, in, including the idea of lining up things you don't agree and kind of mowing them not down at all, yeah. all at once. And that's kind of a that's kind of a you catastrophe anyway, right? I mean, this, yeah, yeah. This moment of you know sudden the sudden turn. Yeah, and I think you mean a word that is you catastrophe e u c a t yeah and i as opposed to a u catastrophe <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah that's right <laughs> but what is a u catastrophe again it's you know it's a i i, I assume tolkien made it up but oh. i don't know if he did or didn't i, I may be wrong about that yeah, it's a european catastrophe <laughs> it's a the good catastrophe the, oh, the good the 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 uh most absolute the fatal fall the the fortunate fall so i mean so you know when when things look like the worst they could possibly look and then here comes Gandalf over the hill, you know. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Is that, would you say like, you know, when Jesus says, fall on the rock and be broken or it'll fall on you, you'll be ground to powder. Would you say the former is the you catastrophe versus the catastrophe? Yes, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Because that's not quite as optimistic as Gandalf coming over the mountain. <laughs> it's like getting yeah. humbled, right? Like in that way. Yeah. But I mean, it's good. Yeah. I will say, I was just thinking today about, uh, about the idea of someone who, Oh, I was hearing Steve Buscemi talk on a podcast about his character in Fargo, which I've actually never seen. But he said, I loved the fact that this guy was like, I got this, you know, and he, he never had it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that, I do think that is hysterically funny. Uh, almost Man. always. And I find it funny in myself, right? Like, uh, and there was something about watching those videos, which could easily be considered legitimately embarrassing to me and my wife. <laughs> Especially as she's pursuing legitimate production work from legitimate artists. Yeah, right. That also makes me laugh. <laughs> as another layer of, wow, I really screwed you over on this one, hon. Sorry about that. Like, I'm, uh, I find that really funny. Trust me. Yeah. Okay, so th- there, there's this, that, that moment. Oh, trust me. <laughs> I got this. When that's, br- every, that's every um, uh, Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, Somebody who thinks they've got it and they don't. <laughs> that's true. We're going to kidnap this baby. Right. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> you <know>? So <laughs> this friend of mine told me this story. As far as embarrassing story goes, stories go, uh, this was it's not mine, but my word. So it's high school. They're having a, a date auction for guys. And this friend of mine is not, he's like skinny musician type, but he and his buddy think, well, if we go two for one, how could it go wrong? <laughs> Which again, this, that's the moment. That's the hubris. The fatal flaw is already in place. How could it go wrong? Oh, trust me, it could go wrong. So they get up there, and you know they've just seen football player auctioned off for however much to, and it's somehow it's it's in an auditorium with not the entire school, but and so they get up there and they're kind of like, okay, we have an odd one now. It's a it's a two for one deal. 
and then um, they're and they're kind of doing this thing, like you know, and which is funny because they're skinny and everything. And my buddy's friend goes, "Hey, bend over." He's like, "What?" He goes, "Trust me," and and he goes, and then he oil checks him, like sticks his thumb, and. And he turns around like, what? And there's this audible silence that goes out across the room. And somebody goes, one dollar. And he goes, sold. And they get off the stage in this kind of you catastrophe. Uh, And then it's Thursday. They don't go to school on Friday. They're mortified. It comes Monday. And they go in. And their buddy says, hey, uh. I saw your auction thing. What do you mean? Were you there? And he goes, no, no, it was recorded and played on cable access all weekend long. And so everybody's been watching it. And uh, it turns out that they never, the whole rest of their, anyway, I find that quite funny. That moment when he says, trust me, I don't know if I said this part, trust me, it'll be cool. That's the best part. That's a sad story told for laughs. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it had some real sad consequences. <laughs> He's been gone on to be quite successful as a musician. I, but. I think the, the, the typical format of the sad stories told is that sadness comes first and the humor comes later. I see. But, uh, yeah, in this case, it was really funny was in the a, moment. And, uh, but let's be honest. If we're telling a sad story for laughs, we're skipping over some of the sadness that came yeah, later. right? That's true. Yeah. And that's the whole point of it, because the sadness that comes later, that's easy enough. It's laughing about it that's really the skill that you want to learn. Amen. Don Chaffer. Yeah. Thank you for being in this episode of Sad Stories Told for Laughs. Thank you. And I hope that they're not happy stories told for sadness. But, (laughs) yeah. Thanks for having me. This podcast is brought to you by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. And all our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate. Special thanks as well to Taylor Linhart for letting us use her song Diamonds as the theme music for season three of The Habit Podcast. You can learn more about Taylor and follow her work at taylorlinhart.com. The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co.